Well, this morning we're kicking off a brand new sermon series in the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah. And now, uh, if you brought your Bible with you to worship, I invite you to go ahead and open up there uh, to Jonah. If you have a phone or Bible app, you can, you can get it there. And uh, this isn't a part of the Bible. You probably don't venture to too much on your own. It is in a section called the 12 Prophets. It's with all those other good names, Habakkuk. Micah, Nahum, Obadiah, you know, all those good names you want to name your children, right? So it's with all those good names there. Um, It's back there. So I invite you to to find that. And and this morning, we're going to be looking at chapter one together. And then each week after this, we're going to be looking at chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. It's only four books long. It only takes about six minutes to read through the book of Jonah. So I encourage you to do that while we're in the series today. We're going to be at Jonah chapter one. Thank you, Joe. Give Joe a round of applause, my assistant here. And as he brought this out, I don't know if this brought up any memories for anybody, because when you first heard about the book of Jonah, I mean, some of you learned it on like YouTube or Veggie Tales, maybe you, you learned it on a screen, but some of you used this technology. The young people don't know what this is. This is a flannel board or felt board. Anybody here have one of these in their Sunday school class growing up? They remember, they remember these things. And so look... Let me show y'all how this works if you're not familiar, okay? They make all sorts of different characters and scenes. And so when you were learning the book of Jonah, like, like a lot of people learned, you know, the basic facts, the basic characters. So there was a man, his name was Jonah. Look, you put it up there and it magically stays. It's pretty cool. So there was a man named Jonah and you maybe learned, okay, God told him to go, go to some people. Here are the people up here. You know, they had a city. If you're like a real Bible scholar, you might remember the name of the city, Nineveh. So, you know, okay, you know, Jonah's supposed to go to Nineveh, but then instead he gets on a ship and the people on the ship look a little worried. Jonah uh, somehow gets thrown off the ship and then there is a whale and Jonah gets swallowed by the whale, the end, right? Do you remember, you remember kind of how you learned this story growing up, a story about this man named Jonah? I mean... A lot of us are kind of familiar with the basic facts, the basic characters, but, but what we want to do in this series is introduce you to those. If you're not familiar with this story, that's okay. But we want to, as we revisit and reread this story together, we want to kind of try to move beyond uh, the basic characters, move beyond some of these basics to see what this story is really about. We're going to dive deeper into the book of Jonah together, and I'll just go ahead and give you a little spoiler alert here. The book of Jonah is ultimately about God. It's about God, our God who is full of mercy, who is full of compassion, who is full of grace for each of us. That's what this book is about. And in a roundabout way, what we're also going to see is that the book of Jonah is also about us. Because a lot of times, if we take a step back and look at our lives, what we're going to discover is that we kind of act like Jonah a lot of times too. So this morning, we're going to begin Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Let's dive in together. Do you like that joke? Let's dive in to Jonah. Okay. Let's dive in together. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And so right here, there's, there's this phrase, how the book begins, the word 
of the Lord. This is a phrase that occurs over a hundred times throughout the Old Testament. Usually it occurs when, when God is giving someone a message to give to other people on his behalf. And in this case, he's giving it to the prophet, this messenger of God named Jonah. And, and the message that God gives to Jonah, the call and command upon his life is pretty clear. God says, go, go to the great city of Nineveh. And now for, for Jonah, th this would have been shocking immediately for two reasons. Number one, usually God's prophets weren't sent to pagan cities like Nineveh. Usually they might send a message, but usually they went to Hebrew cities or Israelite cities to give messages. So, so that was a little different. And then number two, Jonah would have been familiar with this city, Nineveh. He would have known about Nineveh because the reputation of the city and of these people preceded them because Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire and they were the arch enemies of the Israelites. They were the arch enemies and, and the Assyrians had a reputation of, of being, being brutal and being, being really savages when it came to things like war and fighting and people they didn't like. I mean, archaeologists have, have recovered writings that reveal that, that the Assyrians would a lot of times capture people, skin them, hang up their skins on the walls, chop off their hands, enslave other people. They didn't care if it was women or children or combatants. They, did, they didn't care about any of that. They, they were doing terrible, evil things. And actually, they've uncovered some, some stone carvings that depict the types of terrible things that these people would do and they hung them up because they wanted to let their enemies know, hey, if you come at us, this is the type of stuff we will do to you. And so Jonah, he knew about the Assyrians and their reputation. And God tells him, go. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah knew about their their wickedness. And Jonah also knew this, that if God was sending him as a messenger to basically give these people a warning, Jonah knew there was a chance that God might actually have mercy on these people who had done terrible things. And so Jonah here, he, he, gets, he gets his call, he gets his command, go. And as we continue in verse three, we learn about his response. And so in verse three, we read this, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God says, go. And Jonah says, no. God says, go. Jonah says, no. And, and we have a map here. I want to show you this map of what's going on. So God tells Jonah, hey, go like 500 miles east to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, no, I'm going to go 2,500 miles to Tarshish. And to get there, he has to take a boat. So he goes down to Joppa where the boat is ready and waiting and they set sail. And, and so Jonah's not just saying here to God like, hey, no, you know what? This season of life is kind of crazy. I'm, I, I can't do that right now, God. I have little kids at home. I'm, 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 you know, I'm just overwhelmed with life right now. I can't do this. Maybe next year I'll, I'll, I'll listen to you and do what you need. Uh, you know what, maybe once I, I get my financial house in order, get my family members taken care of. Jonah, Jonah doesn't, he doesn't even give any of those types of excuses. Jonah, he just heads exactly in the opposite direction. God says, go over land to Nineveh. He goes over sea to Tarshish. God says, go east. He goes west. God says, go to the big city. Jonah's like, okay, I'm just gonna go to the ends of the earth. I'm getting out of here. 
Jonah begins to flee. And as he does, we see the consequences of his decision. Verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Spoiler alert, Jonah didn't do this. So then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And casting lots is kind of like drawing straws. And so they're like, hey, let's do this to figure out who's responsible. So they cast lots. Guess what? The lot fell on Jonah. So they realize he, he is the cause of all of this, that they have it confirmed. So they ask him, they say, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but, but, the, but they couldn't for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows to him. So God says go, Jonah says no, he ends up overboard in the ocean sinking. And now maybe, maybe you didn't ask your Sunday school teacher this question growing up, but maybe, maybe you're thinking a little bit more about it right now. Like, why would Jonah be so obstinate? Why would he respond this way? Like, why would, why would this, this, this man of God who's been given a call and command by God upon his life, why would he run in the opposite direction? Why would Jonah, the messenger of God, refuse to call out to God on the boat while the pagans, who don't even worship the true God, begin to call out to the true God? Why was Jonah willing to die in the ocean rather than go to Nineveh and do what God asked him to do? At this point in the story... There's kind of a few reasons we could come up with. One, quite practically, God's mission for Jonah was a dangerous one. Jonah knew that if he as an Israelite showed up in this Assyrian city, that he, he'd probably face persecution, suffering, and he, he'd probably die. So it was a dangerous mission. Two, the mission, the job that God gave him, he didn't really like it. He didn't really want to do it. I, we have this uh, Jesus Storybook Bible by, by Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's a, it's a great kid's Bible if you're ever looking for one to introduce Bible stories to your kids. And I love the way that, that she sums up what God wanted 
Jonah to do. She paraphrases it this way. God tells Jonah, go tell your worst enemies that I love them. Who wants to do that? Nobody wants that mission. And so he doesn't want the job. But, but I love what Tim Keller, another pastor who, who wrote a great book on Jonah, I love, love his insight here. He says, but, but Jonah's problem was also a lot bigger than not wanting to do the job. Jonah had a problem with the one who gave the job to him. Because you see, for Jonah, he, he couldn't understand why God would want him to do this mission. He couldn't understand why, why God might possibly offer mercy for these people who had done terrible things. It didn't make any sense to Jonah. And, and so really at, at the root, Jonah is questioning the goodness, the wisdom, and the justice of God. And, and Jonah's basically saying to God as he flees, you know what, God, I know what's better for my life than you do. And when we're in Sunday school, it's easy to sit on the little carpet square. You remember those little carpet squares? It's easy to sit on the carpet square and raise your hand and tell the Sunday school teacher, Jonah should have just done what God told him to do. It's dumb to be disobedient. Amen? Okay? Like, it's easy to say that as a kid. But as we're a little bit older, as we've had a little more life experience, we can begin to see that, yeah, at times... We, we kind of act like Jonah as well. And actually in Jewish tradition, on Yom Kippur, which is, begins this Wednesday night, every year in synagogues all over the world, the book of Jonah is read out loud on this, this high and holy day for the Jewish people. And in many of the synagogues, once the reading of the book of Jonah is done, the people respond this way. They say, I am Jonah. And this morning, what I want you to see is that we are Jonah. We are Jonah. Because I don't know if you believe this, but I believe God still speaks today. I believe God still speaks today. I believe God speaks to us primarily through the scriptures. God still speaks today. That's why we gather together each week and we open them up and we, we read them and we reflect on them and we meditate on them together. God still speaks today through his holy scriptures. God's Holy Spirit, I believe, still speaks to his people today. I think God still speaks through, through other people in our lives, confirming different things. I think God speaks to us when we're in worship and we're singing a song that we've sung a hundred times, but, but this time the lyric connects with our hearts differently. I believe God still speaks today. And, and when we look at scripture, I mean, we see God, God calling us and commanding us to do many different things like he does Jonah. If you think about Jesus, his, his kind of ultimate calling, if you could summarize it, is, is the words Jesus offered to people when he was walking this earth and he offers to each of us today. He says, come and follow me. It's a calling Jesus gives every person. Come and be my disciple. Let me be the Lord, the leader of your life. Go where I go. That, that's, that's kind of the first and foremost calling and command that we have as God's people to follow Jesus Christ, to go where he goes. But then Jesus goes on and he says to his disciples before he's crucified, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so we're called not to just go where Jesus goes, but to do what Jesus 
does. And then I believe God also gives, gives specific callings to each of us as well, kind of like he gave Jonah a specific calling. When I was, when I was in middle school is when I first felt called to vocational ministry. When I was in about the sixth grade is when I first felt called by God to be a pastor. And it, it wasn't an audible voice that came, but it was, it was this internal impression that was confirmed by other people. And, and God gave me some gifts for it. And, and so I believe God calls us and gifts us in many different ways. I mean, maybe for you, maybe God gifted you to be a, a, a teacher. And God gave you that calling or to be a nurse or a healthcare worker to lead a kid's soccer team. I don't know. I, God believe, I believe God calls us still to specific things and it takes a community to discern those together. And like Jonah, well, not like Jonah, sometimes we're obedient, but a lot of times like Jonah, what? We're disobedient, right? God calls us to something and, and, and we say no. We say no. God, God says in his word, you shall have no other gods before me. And a lot of times with our lives, we say, no. No, uh, I'm gonna have this little God over here, this God of money. I'm gonna have this God, this little idol, my job, or these relationships. We, we put all of these other things before God and make them first in our lives. And so we say to God, no. Jesus says, hey, you know what? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And we say, Jesus, you don't know what it's like to live in our world. You really want me to love people from Al-Qaeda? Do you remember what happened on 9-11? So I can't do that. I hate those people. We say, no, I'm not going to listen to you, Jesus. Paul says, flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we say, you know what? No, I don't think so. Like, it's my body. I'm going to do what I want with it. And I'm going to make my own decisions. This is just a little thing here. This is just a website here. This is just a flirtation here. Like, we, we say, you know what, God? I know what's best for my life. That's a lot of times what we do. We're like Jonah. We question the wisdom, the goodness, the calling, and the commands of God upon our lives. And, and, and so when we do that, and when we run, and we rebel against God, I'll just say this. I don't think we should be too surprised when storms come into our lives. Just like we see with Jonah. When he was running and he was rebelling, the storm came into his life. And I love again what what Tim Keller says here, he, he says, look, our, our sin has real consequences in our lives. Not every difficulty in your life is the result of sin. So I don't want you to hear that this morning. Not every difficulty in your life is the result of sin, but every sin will bring you into difficulty. You might not realize it at the time. You might think this isn't harming anyone else. But, but sin is ultimately a rupture in our relationship with God with other people, with ourselves. And so it leads to this breakdown in our lives. Instead of leading us towards the life that God created us for, that God desires us for, when we're sinning, we're actually moving away from that original design. So a lot of times there's, there's storms. And if you think about Jonah's story, the storm didn't only affect him. It affected all of these other people who at a level weren't doing anything wrong that day. And so this morning, I'll, I'll just say this. If, if you're here and you, and you feel like as you're thinking about Jonah's story, maybe the Holy Spirit is, is convicting you, not condemning you. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. 
Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you of something in your life. Maybe, maybe you're someone you know, God called you to something, but you've been, you've been running. Maybe you've kind of just said, no, God, I don't think I can do that. That doesn't make sense. That's crazy. Maybe, maybe you've been, been saying no and you've been pushing back this morning. I just wanna say, please pay attention to what God is saying to you. Please listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but I also want you to please pay attention to what happens next in the story. Because as we continue with the final verse in this chapter, we find something interesting. Jonah, he thought his sin and his disobedience was the end of the story. When he was thrown overboard, he thought he was going to die, that that was it. He had rebelled, he had run, now he's dead. But actually, this is where things begin to get interesting. Chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I love the the New Living Translation says it this way. The Lord arranged a huge fish. It doesn't say well, it says huge fish. The, The Lord in the ESV translation says this. The Lord appointed the huge fish. And really what we're beginning to see here in this story is that as Jonah is running from God, guess what God is doing? God is running towards Jonah. I mean, the natural thing for Jonah to do at this moment would be throw overboard and die. And you know what? You could argue maybe that's what he deserved. But instead, what we see is God running towards Jonah, God sending this big fish into his life. And a lot of times we kind of think of this fish and Jonah getting swallowed up in the ocean as like this instrument of God's anger and God's wrath against Jonah. But, it, but instead of it being an instrument of God's anger, I think the fish and Jonah being swallowed up in the sea just before he dies, I think it's actually an expression of God's grace. Jonah being swallowed in the water is an expression of God's grace. Do you know what grace is? Simply put, you could say this. It's getting from God what we don't deserve. It's getting from God what we don't deserve. And in that day, Jonah could have sunk. He, he could have just died there in the midst of his rebellion and disobedience. But God wasn't through with him yet. God appointed this fish to swallow him. And that's really what the whole book of Jonah is about. It's about when people are running from God. It's about the fact that we serve a God who is running towards us. And if you zoom out from Jonah, this is really the story, the entire story of of the Bible. Is if you remember in the beginning, God created every person. God created humanity and created us good. He created us in his image and, and he gave Adam and Eve calling. He gave them a command. And, and what did they do? They rebelled. They said no. They were disobedient. They said, God, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna do that. We think we know what's best, even though you're our creator and you have all knowledge and all goodness and all wisdom. Like we think we know what's best. And in their rebellion, as they were running from God, what did God do? God ran toward them in the garden. He said, where are you? He sought them out. And then in the fullness of time, as humanity was doing terrible things, rebelling and running from God, 
God stepped into the story. God in the person of Jesus Christ pursued us. God ran after us. Jesus walked this earth and rather than being disobedient like Jonah, Jesus Christ was obedient and he was obedient even unto death on a cross like this one over here. Jesus was obedient even unto death. And for three days, he was in the tomb. But on that third day, he rose. He rose with victory in his hand, with freedom over sin, freedom over death. And with his outstretched, nail-scarred hands, he offers each of us forgiveness, mercy, grace, and a second chance today. We serve a God who gives second chances, third chances. Anybody ever needed a fourth chance? We serve a God who gives fifth chances. That's the God we serve, a God who when we're running from him, he is running after us. He's pursuing us with his grace. All we have to do is turn. That's what repentance is. It's, it's turning. Turn away from the direction we think we need to go in and turn back towards him. Listen to him and receive his embrace. Receive his grace and receive his mercy. And so this morning as we begin this journey into Jonah, I wonder if there's, there's an area of your life where you need to just turn back to God and this morning say yes. Maybe you've never committed to following Jesus and you know who Jesus is. You know he wants to lead your life and save you, but, but you're afraid of, of what you might give up or you're afraid that he might call you to go be a missionary or do something crazy. And, and, and so you've had this fear that, that, that maybe God doesn't know what's best for your life. So maybe for you this morning, it's just saying, God, I think, I think you do know what's best. I surrender to you. Maybe there's an area of, of obedience where you've been, you've been saying, God, it's too big of an ask. I can't do that with my money. I can't, I can't do that with my time. I can't, I can't, I just, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's too much. Maybe for you, it's just saying, God, okay, give me your power to do what you've commanded and called me to do. Maybe, maybe someone in here, you felt God calling you a long time ago to something, but you gave up. You gave up on the dream, you ran, life happened and you said, no, that's not, it's not God's calling for me anymore, but God has still been tapping on your shoulder. Maybe it's a calling to ministry. Maybe it's a calling to start a ministry, to serve in a ministry. Maybe it's a job change, I, I don't know. But this morning, I wanna encourage you to just come before God Confess, say, God, oftentimes I, I, I kind of run from you, but I thank you that you are running towards me. I thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your goodness. And, and here's the good news. God's running after us, and, and when we turn to him, he's there waiting for us. We can't flee from him ultimately. He's right there. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we are Jonah. We know that you've called us to follow your son, Jesus Christ. We know that you've 
commanded us to be obedient, to be light, to be people of love. And God, we know that oftentimes we've, we've done the exact opposite. So this morning we confess our sins to you. And we pray that you would forgive us of our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would forgive us. We pray that you would cleanse us. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us this morning to do what you're calling us to do, to go where you're calling us to go. God, we pray that you would continue to speak to us just like you spoke to Jonah. For those in this room who aren't sure what to do with their life and they feel like they're they're in a fog, God, we pray that you would give clarity, that you would give wisdom, that you would give direction. God, we pray that you would give us greater trust and faith in you to believe that you are wise, you are good, you are just, you are loving, and you are full of grace, not just for everyone else, but for us as well. And God, we pray all of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.